I'm Jordan Kistner, author of the essay collection, Thin Places. And this is Thresholds, a weekly series of conversations with writers and artists about moments of epiphany or transformation that changed their lives and their work. A moment that they stepped across, like a threshold, into something new. And the way that experience changed everything they wrote afterward. I haven't done very many things a hundred times on purpose. There are a lot of things I've done thousands and thousands of times. Make coffee, walk the dog, go to work, kind of without thinking about it. But historically, when I've decided to do something intentionally in a series as a practice, which is the kind of thing that I would bother to count, I never wind up doing it. For example, Thresholds alum and friend, Suleika Jouad, challenged the readers of her excellent newsletter, The Isolation Journals, to join her in resolving to do one creative act a day for 100 days. It could be something small, it could be anything you want, just every day for 100 days. And I thought, great, what could be more manageable? I was so excited to do the project, and I made it to day six. This is what I'm like. So I'm a little bewildered to report that today we are celebrating our 100th episode of Thresholds. There were only supposed to be six of these, funnily enough. But back in the spring of 2020, when we started... Anything that felt like reaching out of our own homes to connect to another voice, to another mind humming somewhere out there in the world, felt so good that we just kept going. And now, almost three years later, we've done this thing a hundred times. We had the idea to collect voicemails from Thresholds alums to mark the occasion. We invited them to call in with an update on what we talked about in their first interview or a new threshold they're thinking about, or to tell us about something that they've done a hundred times. We got lots of sweet messages, and we're going to play some of them for you later, but also lots and lots of messages that completely bucked the prompt and just said nice things about us in the show, which I am profoundly moved by. And also the idea of airing an episode that is just a string of voice memos with people praising the show mortifies me to my core. So this episode is going to be a little bit different than we planned, which is okay. Notably, though, nobody jumped to tell us about something that they had done a hundred times which has had me thinking about the failure of that prompt and about the hundred mark more generally, which seems like it would be a threshold or something really momentous or memorable. But a friend of mine suggested to me yesterday, a centenary is maybe more of a milestone than a threshold. Milestones are obvious and commemorated. Thresholds tend to arrive unannounced. Even in making this show, the moments that have really changed my life or shoved me into some new relationship with myself or my work, those just kind of happened in little flashes along the way. Like Natalie Diaz telling me that she sometimes imagines anxiety as something extrinsic, energy that belongs to the world and is simply moving through her, which is an idea that I have since returned to in the middle of the night more than once. Or Jhumpa Lahiri talking about experiencing her mother's death as metamorphosis, not unlike what Ovid writes about, which has really reframed my thinking around grief. Or Amy Bender explaining that it is absolutely possible to write a book in 10 minutes a day when everything else about your schedule is chaotic, which I am clinging to. Or Eileen Miles, who in the first five minutes of our interview refused the thresholds prompt entirely, saying that they don't like thresholds and they don't really believe in them, and then went on to give one of my favorite interviews of this whole series. So maybe no surprise that it was one of Eileen's poems that really nailed why I've never been able to intentionally do something a hundred times and why the hundred instance milestone feels a little hard to wrap my arms around. I'm going to read that poem. It's called Notebook 1981. 
I was so willing to pull a page out of my notebook, a day, several bright days, and live them as if I was only alive, thirsty, timeless, young enough to do this one more time. To dare to have nothing so much to lose and to feel that potential dying of the self in the light is the only thing I thought that was spiritual, possible. And because I had no other way to call that mind, I called it poetry. But it was flesh and time and bread and friends frightened and free enough to want to have another day that way, tear another page. I reread this poem yesterday and I thought, oh God, right. This show, like most creative processes, has happened one page at a time, driven just by our desire to make one more and one more and one more. So that's how we're going to keep doing it. We're also going to post a link to that poem in our show notes so you can take a look at it because it rewards multiple readings. We've got a short episode for you today with some words of inspiration from past guests and sweet voicemails and a giveaway announcement. But I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for listening. And as we're coming into the new year, We wish you a new season that feels mostly like keeping on with something you love, one at a time. And with that, we're going to start off with a message from Catherine Lacey. Hi, Thresholds. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Drew. This is your friend, Catherine Lacey. Um, Thinking about you guys after 100 episodes, that's now you're at a threshold of your own. And when your podcast grows up and has a midlife crisis, it will look back at this moment with confusion and fondness. And um, I'm just, I read tonight a Robert Coover story that I don't think I'd ever read before. And I just really liked the last half a sentence. Um, I like the whole thing, but I thought maybe you might have some use for the last half sentence. And they found a certain contentment, living more or less happily ever after, which is what now is while one's in it. I thought maybe that was appropriate for the whole endeavor of of thresholds and maybe for all of us (laughs) going into a new year and thinking about um, redefining maybe what what being happy is and what what being present is and um, yeah, maybe even what a fairy tale is. Why not? Okay. Sending love. Happy new year. Happy 100 episodes. Hey, Drew. Hey, Jordan. That was Catherine Lacey who is always thrilling to hear from. And now I'm here to tell you about a little something for all of you. We are going to do a giveaway to celebrate this momentous Thresholdian milestone. Uh, And we want to hear from you about some of your favorite memories from the last 100 episodes, the moments that you loved the most, things that surprised you, something that you have taken into your life. If you want to share those on social media, you can tag Jordan at jordan.kisner on Instagram. Uh, You could also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can tell us how much you loved the show and something that you loved from the show. We're going to take all of those and uh, pick some winners to send some stuff that we've got. Some books by previous Thresholds guests, maybe a cute little surprise or two um, as just our way of saying thank you to all of you for listening and for supporting us for so long. Next, we thought we would bring you a little bit of that conversation with Eileen Miles that I mentioned in my intro. Uh, It's one of my favorites that we've ever done. And this is from the beginning of our conversation when they are talking about their lifelong aversion to obvious thresholds. 
in my early 30s, I stopped drinking and taking drugs. And I had a real fear that it would ruin me as a writer. And I, um, I started to tell myself something that I've been telling myself now for 30 years, which is that if um, becoming a lesbian didn't ruin my writing, why would becoming sober ruin my writing, you know? And then years later, I think in 19... 19- <laughs> Let's see, I, I, I became an academic for the first time in like a real, I had a real teaching job and I was faculty at the University of California in 2002. And so I was hired as a full professor and I was given a big income. And I would say many things happened at that moment. I moved to the West Coast. I became a professor um, and I had a I had a good income for the first time in my life. And I remember thinking that if being a lesbian and getting sober didn't ruin my writing, why would being an academic and having an income ruin my li- writing? And um, and also, in, and I think moving to California, which is a big myth among New Yorkers, that if you move to California, it'll really ruin your li- writing, you know? Um, and I would say, you know, and, and it just it just goes on. I mean, I just think in, in 20, I mean, I've had different levels of... Um, Attention. I mean, I think having a career means is almost defined by the idea of a line that looks a little bit like recording in progress, which is that suddenly you're like, whoa, whoa, people are really seeing me now. And then after that, no, no, nobody's seeing me now. Whoa, people are seeing me now. Whoa, no, nobody's seeing me. But in 2016, I, start, I, I did have a hit of a bunch of celebrity and I got a lot of attention. And I kind of, even though I often feel like nobody sees me, I still, I, I just am being a writer at some level of recognition that I don't think I'll probably lose unless I just, I don't know what, I don't know what I would have to do, but I've sort of, you know, I sort of already have written enough books that I'm sort of in it in some way. And I'll, I'll, even if I stop, but, but I had the same thought. I thought if being known or quote famous, or if, if all these things haven't ruined my writing, why would fame or success or celebrity around my writing. So I think, I guess that, I think that is my answer, which is that, that, and I think in a way it has to do with um, something else I'm really interested in, which is hyperbole. You know, it's, it's just, um, I think people make bold, huge statements, not in order to say something that's true, but to open a space. And for me, the way I sort of open that sp- space weirdly is kind of in a negative way. I kind of open it in a resistant way so that it's sort of like the way I've experienced these, I guess, thresholds is to say, um, if this whole litany of things have not ruined whatever it is that I understand as my writing practice, why would blah? And then the, the delight of that statement or that moment clears the space temporarily. And I just feel like myself you know, practicing poet, practicing artist, free for a moment, because I think that like, ba and ba and ba haven't done it, why would ba, you know, and, um, and, and, and in that moment, I think it's kind of a, a litany that um, is momentarily liberating, because the thing is, it's, you know, it's, I think, just making work and is, and, um, and keeping, you know, keeping a career going is, is always hard, and making work is hard, it just is hard, you know, but um, but it's just like I think I kind of live with a feeling of something something really ruining me altogether, taking it away, and I and those are my thresholds. I love the 
the, the <laughs> that you that you wanted to say no I don't have any thresholds and then you just listed like nine thresholds right right um, and that what you're describing is sort of is this experience of it sounds like wanting wanting no trans like transformative change lest it fuck up the the space of writing. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I think, I think, I kind of believe in a terrain that is featureless, and of course, that's just not true. But somehow, movement is probably the only thing I believe in, and so I have to kind of make each thing go away, even as I'm surmounting it. You know. How do you do that? Well, I think it's a joke for me. I just jokes are really important, and I think in a way, I don't know why it, it has this. It has the affect of a private joke. You know, and so I've always like, well, if blood, if blood didn't hurt me and blood didn't, then, you know, and it's so it just it feels kind of wise guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it's kind of it strikes me as sort of funny. And also it's kind of um, I think it's kind of a vernacular moment. You're not talking to God so much, but you're sort of talking to a familiar, which is, you know, some, you know, some kind of aspect of myself that that I, I'm I'm teeming with in some way you know and saying yeah we can, we're not going to let this stop us you know <laughs> well and it seems like to me what's partially what's funny about it is that the is that everything you name is a good thing right i'm not going to be ruined by this positive development uh, yes yes yeah good point thank you that's a good that's a good point yeah yeah um so i, I suppose i do think of yeah yeah um yeah it's i mean i just i think that because um, like yeah go ahead I was just going to say because becoming a lesbian or becoming or you know coming out as lesbian or deciding to be sober or getting a job where you have real income like these are all things that could be in theory like really great for art and uh-huh. this but this but this fear which I don't know I have this too of like any change in any direction might um might change me too much, and then I will no longer be able to do the thing that I that I need to do, which is which I've only ever done as my current self. Uh huh. Uh huh. I know because I think that I I feel like the, the there's there's a studio of sorts that I think everybody constructs for themselves, which is kind of a mental physical space that is made. You know, we're like birds; we make these nests, and it's composed of of things that are familiar. You know, and it's sort of like you see this giant wind coming and you're like, this is going to blow my nest right out of the tree. How, you know, even, you know, as you say, even if it's a good thing. And I think, you know, so I think for me, there's sort of a fear of something totalizing, you know, which would and also kind of a, you know, it's like an allegorizing thing. I think we all and I think it's particularly dangerous for writers. We're always, you know, standing in a corner like a a figure in a tarot card thinking, whoa. (laughs) At that corner, if I went this way, this would happen, and if I went that way, that would happen. And and the fear, of course, is to be is is to be stuck, you know. Like you must make a choice, you know. And these moments are kind of terrifying, you know. And I think that that some of these things that I've mentioned have some of that, you know. You wanting to make the right decision, wanting to not, you know, be overwhelmed by this, and not wanting to be overwhelmed by this decision or this thing that has come to you, you know. Um, I think right. weirdly loved has not ever felt that way. I've just never, it's sort of like when it comes, because I think of this other thing, which is, um, I think it's so strange. Like if you're, for instance, in a job interview or you're, 
showing your work to people or, or you're, you know, on a, on a date, you're meeting somebody and suddenly in the middle of the encounter, you think, oh my God, you know, I'm getting the job. I'm falling in love. They're taking my book. And it's just like, you didn't, I didn't know I was in that room. And suddenly I'm in that room, you know, and it's, it's very, it's like the thing that's nice about those kinds of transformations to me is that you didn't see them coming. You were just sitting in the chair um, having your life and suddenly it was your life, you know? And so I, I, I applaud a, I applaud a threshold that doesn't, um, you know, that, that dare not speak its name. Now we have another voicemail. Uh, our pal, Lynn Stever Strong, called us to talk a little bit about creative risk-taking. And uh, here she is. Hi, Threshold family. It's Lynn Stever Strong. I'm calling from my bed with my dog on my chest, waiting for my child to get ready for bed. Um, it's raining. I think the thing that I've been thinking that's maybe pertinent to you guys is that as I work on a new book, I keep trying to figure out in what way, if in any way, I've gotten better at this at all from book to book. And I, Lord knows, plenty of people would say that I haven't. But the one thing, the one thing that I've decided, the one thing that I'm telling myself a lot is that making things is always especially in the beginning, like the first year or whatever, is always this process of jumping off a bunch of cliffs. Um, and I think you still have to jump off a bunch of cliffs, and that feels tricky, I guess. Um, but what feels exciting is that I feel like maybe, maybe with each book, you get to jump off a higher and bigger cliff. Um, and so... I don't know, the past few weeks especially, it's cold and I'm cozy and I've got nothing else to do and my dog sits with me um, and I just keep thinking how high of a cliff do I want to jump off of um, and that has made this sort of absurd thing that I do feel exciting in this new way. Anyways, I think that, that both of you and everyone you've ever had is, is lovely um, and thank you for having me and... Happy 100th episode. I love you guys. Good night. That was the great Lynn Steger Strong, and it felt like a nice note to go out on. We are wishing you guys uh, a beautiful holiday and lots of ever higher creative cliffs, um, <laughs> metaphorical <laughs> cliffs uh, to be jumping off of and, and celebrating. Literal ones, too, I guess, if you're into that kind of thing. It sounds terrifying to me, but... No, only only with a parachute. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a wrap. That's a wrap on 2022. We'll be back in the new year with some really exciting stuff. And uh, until then, take care. Be well. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Jasmine Chan. And I'm just calling to wish you congratulations on hitting 100 episodes for Threshold. It was such a pleasure to come on your show uh, earlier this year to talk about my book, The School for Good Mothers. And my own threshold is that I seem to have 
had this book out for almost a year now, and we're about to launch the paperback soon. So I can't believe um, it's been a year. And thank you so much for being a huge part of it. It was it was such a pleasure to meet you, and I'm such a fan of your show. So congrats again on 100 episodes, and happy new year. Hi, this is Alexandra Clean, and congratulations to Threshold on 100 amazing episodes. I'm so glad that you're out there pointing out the liminal spaces in that world. Hi, it's Lydia Millett. Jordan, I don't have anything particularly witty or wise to say today, just that I love your podcast, and um, and the reason I love it is because you're so full of life and vigor and energy, and you are never boring. Bye. Hey Thresholds, this is Hilary Leichter just calling to wish you a very, very happy 100th episode. And that's kind of a threshold of its own, right? 100 episodes. So I hope you're doing well and have a great holiday. Thresholds is produced by Drew Broussard. Music and editing by Laura Faye Oshenwood of Arthur Moon. Our art is by Lorelai Grossman. Special thanks to Justin Alvarez and our hosts at LitHub Radio. You can find out more about our show, listen to past episodes, and get in touch at our website, thisisthresholds.com. If you're listening to this on a podcast platform and you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe. Or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you normally listen, and subscribe and review us there. Thanks. We'll see you next week.